Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 100, page 500 in the Pew Bible. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day again, the opportunity to come together with brothers and sisters and, and worship. And we just thank you for your word. We just ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you would have us to hear and be with Scott as he delivers the message this morning. All for your glory in Christ's name. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. The word of God for the people of God. Well, the particularly perceptive among you will notice that uh, Psalms is not Ephesians. We're going to take a break from Ephesians. We're going to um, look at this psalm of thanksgiving this morning, and um, then um, Advent, we're going to um, look at some Advent Christmas themes um, before resuming Ephesians after, um, after that season. Um, one of the things that we, we normally do not read is the headings of the psalm, um, we, but those are actually in um, the manuscript, and so it's appropriate to not read them, but this is a psalm for giving thanks, and we recognize that that title, uh, in my uh, version, it's kind of set off with a different font, that a lot of times the, the headings on the different sections of um, uh, of passages are not divine. They're whatever the editors have decided to kind of say, this is what this section is about. Um, however, the headings on the psalm um, that are kind of marked with the rest are divine. They're, they're part of the scriptures. They're, they're not something um, the editors um, added in later. And so we approach this psalm understanding that it is a psalm for giving thanks um, which makes it really easy for pastors to select text uh, when it comes to Thanksgiving season. There's four sections in this psalm that we're going to look at. Um, and the first one, verses 1 and 2. We are commanded and we are directed, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. So the command is for us to worship God, to come before God and to praise him. And as we give thanks, we recognize that this is not something that's something we, and, you know, just spontaneously wells up within us. Um, ever since the Romantic movement in the, I guess, 1800s, the idea of something being uh, really valid and really true was that it needed to be spontaneous. And so a lot of times we think that um, you know, we, we just need to go with our feelings and we need to be spontaneous if it's going to be legitimate. But, but here we're told, oh, worship God. It's, it's a response to a command. We're told to worship Him. And it, it makes sense 
if you think about it, to, to give thanks means there is one you are thankful to. Giving thanks, thanksgiving, is something that um, there's an object to that. Um, I, one of the things I love about Thanksgiving, it's one of my favorite holidays, I think, because maybe it's less commercialized as, until they started opening shopping the day of Thanksgiving, but anyway. Um, and it's something that everyone can participate in. You know, it's not um, exclusively a Christian holiday, though our understanding of Thanksgiving would be different. But it is interesting that I, that I look at people celebrating a Thanksgiving and being thankful to ask, who are you thankful to? Do we just go around saying thank you to one another? For, for someone who believes that all of this is a cosmic accident that randomly happened, do you, are you just thankful to chance and randomness? Um, or are you thankful to a specific one, a person who has done things? Well, we are commanded in this psalm, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Everyone is commanded to worship and make joy and celebration and serve and worship and come before and sing to Yahweh, the Lord God of Israel. Um, I often point out to you, so some of you this won't be a surprise, uh, the Lord there is in all capital letters, which is a way for the translator to let you know that what is being translated is God's divine name and not the generic word Lord. Adonai is my Lord. You could use that of a king. That is your Lord. But God revealed himself to Moses with a covenant name of I am. I am that I am, Yahweh. And throughout Scripture, there are times God is addressed as God, Elohim, as the Lord, Adonai, my Lord, or sometimes his name, his covenant name, his personal name is shown. There is a specificity of who God is, and this is what that word is. In other words, all of creation, not just Israel, not just the church, all of creation is commanded to sing and to praise and give thanks and worship our covenant God. And so we, we do this um, with an attitude that comes from an understanding of who we are. Verse 3 talks about our understanding of, of who we are. Um, and this is necessary for us to truly be grateful, to truly be thankful, is to understand ourselves. I've... Um, when I, when I watch some of the, the anger and frustration and divisiveness in the world around us, I, I'm, I'm realizing how much of it is that people have an idea of what the world ought to be. And they're frustrated because no one else is buying into that understanding. And they are demanding that people get on board with their understanding of the way the world ought to be according to their understanding and not the way the world is. So many people have an attitude of um, their understanding of the way their life ought to be. And their, their frustration and their anger is the disappointment of this isn't what I want. 
And all of that kind of is saying, I ought to be God. I ought to be able to say, this is what reality is. This is what my life should be. This is the way everyone else should approach me and, and be with me. And there's so much anger and frustration because people think that the world ought to be the way they imagine it and not the way the world really is. They, they think their life should be a certain way, and if life hasn't worked out the way they anticipate, the way they've been told from countless movies and songs and stories that it ought to be, somebody else has hurt them. Somebody else is oppressing them. Somebody else is taking something from them. And, and how many people have this attitude that I deserve this? That's a great marketing thing. You deserve a break today. You can have it your way. You've earned this, and things ought to be the way you want them to be, and if they're not, somebody is messing with you and hurting you. It's really hard to be thankful when you feel entitled. There is no way you can have gratitude when you think, to quote the staple singers, the world owes you something because you're here. If we don't understand who we are, and, and the great lie that most people believe is, I should be able to create my, create my own reality, and if it's not the working out that way, someone is hurting me. And here's the thing, if, if, if work, life works out the way you think it ought to, you've earned it, you deserve it, and you can't be grateful. The example I'm use is, you work 40 hours, you go pick up your paycheck, and you don't go... <gasps> Thank you. This is great. It's wonderful. I appreciate it so much. Now you think, I've, done, I've, I've worked hard on this, and the government gets how much of this? I've deserved this because you have. You've worked, you've earned, you deserve, but you know, a gift is something that isn't earned, isn't deserved. It's, it's gratitude, and if you think in the world is, one, I've either got everything because I've worked for it, or if you have the attitude of, I don't have things, but I deserve them, and I have a right to be angry because people don't see the world as I do, we can't be grateful. But we can be grateful if we understand who we are. And who we are is shown in verse 3. Know the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. <laughs> Great thing to understand about us is that we are not God. But God has made us. He's created us. And he's claimed us as his own. He said, you are my people. And we see that there's an incredible grace that he has um, bestowed on us, that all that we are is because of what he has made us. He's created us. He's given us life. All, all that we have and all that we are is because of what God has done for us. He's blessed us. I mean, you you have done wonderful with the opportunities you've had. You have worked hard. You have done great things. Uh, but you've done great things with what God has blessed you with. You've made use of opportunities that God has given to you. And so that, that we can't look on anything and, and say, by my own will and might, I have caused this to be, I've created, I've made this, my own existence or my life of who I am. That all that we are, every breath we take, is God's grace. The, the, the fact that we are here now is His grace shown to us. Everything we enjoy, uh, the, uh, 
the incredible food I'm smelling right now and making me want to hurry up with the sermon is, is God's grace. The fellowship we, we share with one another and the joy and blessings of family and friends, the opportunities to serve, the, the skills that we have, all of it is, is grace and goodness. And so recognizing this, we see how we are called to worship in verse 4. So we, we remember who we are, and we are called to worship, but that doesn't mean we can just worship God however we please. Um, my, um, one of my favorite shows, Parks and Rec, you can probably guess one of my favorite characters, those of you who see it, Ron Swanson, kind of an idol. Well, if you haven't seen the show, Ron Swanson is one who is um, uh, kind of a recluse. He really is concerned about his privacy. Some might say he's grumpy. I think he's a realist. You know, he's just a really good person. And his coworker is Leslie, and she's um, really over-the-top, extravagant, excited. And it's Ron Swanson's birthday on one episode, and he's tried to keep it secret, and uh, Leslie finds out, and so the whole day he's avoiding her because he's terrified of this great dog and pony show that she is going to throw for him, and at the very end, she finds him, and it's, Ron, it's your birthday, and he's kind of like, okay, get it over with, balloons and all that, and she takes him to the office, sets him down to a, a steak and a TV with, um, if you haven't seen this episode, close your <laughs> this, the, um, a, a DVD of Bridge Over the River Kwai, and she says, and I've told the security guard to not let anyone in, and when you're done, you can leave. And he's like, well, I thought you would have thrown this huge party for me, this, this incredible thing. And she said, no, Ron, that's me. That's not you. And it's a great picture of worship, right? right? So we, we want to come and we want to make it about us. We want to say, oh, I want to feel inspired, I want to have chill bumps. I want to have liver shivers. I want to feel like I've... I want to tell God of all the great things I'm going to do for God. I'm going to tell him all these wonderful things I'm going to do and how much I feel like worshiping. But true worship is worshiping in the way God calls us to worship. In other words, it's not worshiping. It's not giving someone the birthday party you want. It's giving them the, the love and the celebration that they want. You're speaking their Love language. I promise that will be the only time for the next decade you hear me use the term love language. All right, so, but you, you, you show love in the way they want it and they need it. So, you know, if you, if you love someone, you give them a gift that's fitting to them. If you're, you know, in other words, if we come in thinking of ourselves and how we feel and, and the basis of our worship is all of that, we've turned worship into something about ourselves, not about God. But if we look to the way he has revealed that he desires to be worshipped and the way we ought to come before him, we keep it about him. We're worshipping the way he wants to be worshipped. And the way he wants to be worshipped, among other things, is to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. You worship God not when you feel good. You worship God not when you tell him all the great things you're going to do for him. You worship God when you remember what he has done for you and you are grateful for it. So we come and we say, God, you are so good. You've, you've, you've done all these things for us, and we recognize that we're nothing 
and apart from you we're nothing. And if you had not done these things, we would still have no hope. Don't you see, do you see how there you've turned it into recognizing and showing gratitude for what God has done? God has done all these things, and rather than stirring ourselves up to what we're going to do, when we're honoring and giving thanks for the blessings he's given us, it honors the one who's bestowed those gifts. It's shown true gratitude. So, which obviously, to, to give thanks to him and recount these things, we are to remember the things we are told in verse 5. The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. We remember he's good. Right? God is almighty. God is powerful. God can do all things. And we can have just our, our minds blown by his power and his might. But how much more do we recognize he's good? He, he's good for us. He does bless us. His love endures forever. And that word there is his covenant faithfulness, his, his love. It's, it's translated as his mercy at the end of Psalm 23. It's throughout the scriptures that reminds us of his compassion for us, his condescension, his love that is unearned and undeserved, and his faithfulness to all generations. Over and over again, God has been faithful. Even when we stumble, even when we doubt, even when we sin, even when we do things we regret, he's faithful. And his love continues and is shown ultimately to us in the cross where he fulfills the covenant promise and his steadfast love is displayed in one who dies for sinners to make us the sheep of his pasture and to bring him in. And that is something worth praising and giving thanks that we recognize even in the mistakes and the, the sins we've done this past week, he's continued to be faithful. He continues to forgive. And he continues to bless us and bestow riches on us that we don't deserve. If your heart is truly thankful, if we recognize that we have not deserved what we've received and that we haven't received what we deserve, and we recognize all the blessings we have are just God's riches poured out to us, that they're gifts of his grace and his mercy that is new every morning, that is two things. One, it changes our, our, our look at our day and ourselves. Let me just say, if, if you start your day in prayer, and as you pray, if you take time to be thankful, you know, we, we want to pray. We want to confess our sins. We want to pray for our needs and our burdens. But do you imagine how your day would be different if rather than looking at the stupid thing those other people on the political side did on Twitter or Facebook, preaching to myself now, started thinking of, look at the, the, the resources God has blessed me with. Look at his faithfulness to me. Look at his goodness to me. I, just to recount God's blessings, to, to say, I'm going to think of five things I'm grateful today that I didn't think of yesterday, and just make it a time to, to think of what God has done for you. Your outlook on the rest of the day will be completely different. When you face difficulties, you'll remember God's faithfulness in past difficulties. If you think of what's been given to you rather than what you have not gotten and, and how things are not good, your attitude will be completely different. We, we, gratitude shapes us, changes us. Gratitude also changes the way we look at others. When I look at what I have, if I think I've earned this, I deserve this, I look at somebody else and say, you better get to work too. 
But if I look and I think, look what God has blessed me with. Look at the riches I've received. And he's given to me who, who doesn't deserve. How much more quickly will I look at someone else and say, they deserve mercy. They deserve compassion. They, they deserve grace. Just as I've received forgiveness and generosity, I will show that with others when I think of it. The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. Would you please stand and let us uh, profess what we believe about this God?